Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Unlimited. Today, we are talking about allowing space to imperfectly love your body and yourself, which is so important, but yet it is not something that most of us do or particularly good at doing because to be quite honest, our society is not very good about allowing space for anything other than things that are directly linked to productivity. We have this focus on hard work and results, which feeds ideas of once this happens, then I will have. Like once I lose 10 pounds, then I'll feel better in my body. Or once the kids are back in school, then I'll have time for my self-care practices, like my yoga practice again. And it feeds these ideas of this imaginary future you where all the stars align and, and everything comes together the way you would expect it to. Just like the Amanda Palmer song in my mind where she talks about this future that she will be this person that she thought she'd be, but she thought she'd be that already, but she's not. And eventually, <laughs> it's a great song and I will put a link in the show notes. And while goals are great, and visioning can be fun, so those those are future things. The messy you, the human you, the one who makes mistakes, deserves love and attention too. And self-love is very much like gratitude. We often think that, well, I don't have gratitude until I feel grateful. I don't have self-love until I feel self-love. Well, it's a practice. And Just the act of seeking gratitude can create shifts in your life and in the way you feel and experience life. Self-love practices are very much like that. So in this episode, I have invited Naomi Gottlieb Miller to join me in a conversation around releasing the perfectionism of self-love and taking it into embody in the present that practice of self-love. Naomi is a mom of three, a yoga and movement teacher, a habit coach, an activist, a recovering perfectionist, and a huge Star Trek nerd, just like myself. She has been practicing yoga for 21 years and teaching for 16. She is known for creative and intentionally sequenced yoga classes, as well as her belief that laughter, sound effects, and animal noises that correspond with their yoga poses make movement more fun. Naomi is passionate about working with moms in particular, teaching them how to establish and sustain habits so that they're happier, healthier, and living the lives they've always imagined. Some of what we talk about in this episode include how to simplify self-care, releasing the pressure to do it all, breaking up with perfectionism, self-forgiveness and the value in mistakes, developing a loving relationship with your body, and how to create a successful and sustainable habit. There is so much in this episode. I am excited to share it with you. So without further ado, let's get started. Hey there, I'm Valerie Friedlander, Certified Life Business Alignment Coach, and this is Unlimited. This podcast bridges the individual and the societal, scientific and spiritual, positive and negative, nerdy and no, there's just a lot of nerdy. (laughs) Come on board and let's unlock a life that's as badass as you are. Welcome, Naomi. I'm so excited to have you on the Unlimited podcast today. 
Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love this podcast. Yay! (laughs) I love to hear that. So as we get started, I love for you to share just a little bit about you in your own words. That's such a big question. I know. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) sorry. Every time I said, I'm like, tell me your identity, identify yourself. Yeah. You know, which again, the rebel in me is like, don't box me in. But no, um, so... (laughs) So, you know, I think like so many things, how I would identify myself, not only as a human, but within business and within what I do in this world has evolved so much over time. And I sort of preface that with this remembering the very first time that I went to bring my first child of three into the doctor's office. And, you know, like I had to fill in where it said mother. And I was like, I'm a mother now. Like it was a thing. So, you know, I think that identity is interesting tangentially. Um, but I, I don't know, like I'm 40, I'm a mom of three, three kids, which is weird still to say. Um, (laughs) and my, my youngest is almost two years old and I'm like, I have three kids. What? But for my entire life, I have been a mover. So movement is what I do. Movement is my medicine is what one of my good friends said to me. And it felt like a gift because I'd never thought of it that way. Physical movement is, I think, the biggest, most comfortable aspect of my movement. Like, I'm always moving. And so, as a result of that, I've studied movement since I was probably, I would say, a teenager. So, for the better part of three decades, I've been studying movement. And before I was even conscious of studying movement, I started as a dancer. And before I was even put in dance classes, I was constantly moving as a kid. That's what my parents would say is that I was always moving, you know? So movement has been a part of who I am since the very beginning. And as that has evolved into what I do with my life, I look at movement as a way to create empowerment, transformation, and healing. I think that physical movement can provide a lot of those things, but I also think that there's this huge piece of being able to move your mind to Sometimes it's, you know, being able to change your mind, like hearing new information and saying, hey, that's interesting. That's different from what I thought before. And I'm going to explore that a little bit. And you might then say, you know what, that still doesn't, that doesn't (laughs) resonate or I don't like that. But I'm glad that I gave myself the opportunity to expand, right? I'm glad that I gave myself the opportunity to move my brain. You know, and then there's also the movement of the way that you do things in the world, which I look at as habits. One of the the key components of what I do, not only in my own life, but, you know, as an educator and as a coach and as a parent, you know, I think is to teach people how to organize their lives around actions that are satisfying, that are enjoyable, and that really help them define who they are and help them live the lives that they want to live. And I think that most people don't look at habits that way. I think that a lot of times we look at habits as like, I have to brush my teeth twice a day. I've got to drink like eight glasses of water. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. But to that, I say, well, okay, yeah, those habits are essential. They're part of that foundational, like basic general health situation that we want to have. But Gretchen Rubin, who is a preeminent student scholar, you could say, of habits and an educator of habits, wrote that habits are the architecture of our lives, the things that you do. And so some of those are very conscious and some of those are very intentional. And some of those are like, Oh, I have to do it. Yeah. Well, and, and a <laughs> huge chunk of them are subconscious, right? I love how you framed this, especially because 
what people might see on the outside when they come and look at your businesses, oh, she's a yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people think of like this idea of being intentional, of being mindful of all of that stuff that comes along with what it is that people have assumed yoga is. You bring very much a grounding to it that I see. It's like taking out of this head space that a lot or this esoteric space mm-hmm. and rooting it in the reality of being a woman and being a mother in the society that we live in and pulling out from all of the perfectionistic assumptions that we have embedded in our head because of the messaging that's constantly coming at us and creating, and I'm going to use another overused word, self-care habits that meet Mm -hmm. you where you're at without making it this idealized thing of like, oh, it has to be like this. Otherwise, why bother? And I think that's so interesting. So a couple of years ago, it might have been a couple of years ago, it could have been months ago. I have no idea. I have three kids. So time yeah. doesn't really make any sense to me. But I remember reading this article about self-care and it was something to like, you know, asking moms to do self-care is just like another thing on their to-do list. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was like really kind of poo-pooing this idea of like taking care of yourself. I saw that and I thought, okay, but I think that you're missing the point. Yeah. And I think that, you know, again, you're sort of putting this onus of it has to be a certain way, right? The self-care has to be a certain way because so often people look at self-care as go to the spa or get a manicure or take a nap even, which is a lovely idea or go to the movies by yourself. You know, any number of things that are like, do this, do that, that actually require a lot more effort, right? Require even more of like an external locus of control where it's like you have to hire a babysitter or you have to set aside this time or you have to make sure that all the stars align in a perfect way in order for you to do them. And my thing is like, well, why not just do things that make you feel good? And why not say it doesn't have to be an hour of this? Why not start really small and say, I just want to like, do five minutes of this. And a lot of the pushback I see to things like that, and this also gets me angry is, but women, women deserve, moms deserve the the time that they want and all of that. And I'm like, well, hell yeah, we do. Of course we do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying instead of setting the bar so high that you set yourself up for failure, and I'm using these air quotes as failure Mm -hmm. because that's such a loaded word, but instead of setting the bar so high that you expect failure. And so Everything that you do is going to lead you in that direction anyway. Why not set the bar so stupid low that it's like almost impossible for you to not do it? Like it it actually has to be intentional for you to say, I don't want to do this. And then that's when you start to say, oh, this isn't what I want. Like a lot of times when I work one-on-one with people, and this is, it happens every single time. People say, these are the self-care habits that I want. I want to be able to do this, 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 and this. And I could list out any of them. It wouldn't matter. Like one woman I worked with not too long ago said, I want to hire you to help me work on my healthy habits. And I want to lose weight and this, this, and this. And then she starts sort of listing out why she wants to lose weight and why she wants to reduce her portion sizes and all of this stuff. And I'm just listening. And Ultimately, as we dig in a little bit more, it's not about losing weight at all. Like it had nothing to do with losing weight. And it wasn't about portion sizes or it had nothing to do with any of that. It was, 
I want to feel more in control of my life. I want to feel more in control of the things that I take in and the things that go out. I want to feel better about the way that I'm moving my body. And I'm sure that, yes, there was underneath that. Yeah. I want to be skinnier because I remember once being skinnier and I, you know, then life happened and then it meant that I stopped doing my daily yoga practice, which I miss. And, oh, wait, you miss your daily yoga practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it became this, well, how do we incorporate the daily yoga practice back in? What are the ways that we can make it really simple so that you can do that? Like what's the lowest hanging fruit? I know that you want to do 60 minutes, but right now you, you can't, it's not physically possible. So what can we do? And when would be the best time to do it? You know, so again, like, you know, rather than go into the three months of coaching that I did with this person, like <laughs> what I more say to illustrate is that a lot of times we have in our heads this ideal of what we want. But if you dig a little bit deeper, it's more about like, well, these are actually the things that I want to do in my life, mm-hmm. right? These are, these, are the, these are the actions that I want to build into my everyday life that will make me feel more like myself, Yeah. right? And yeah, then if I'm yeah. doing those things then I start to feel better about who I am. Like things start to make a little bit more sense. Like then I'm not sort of going, oh, like I wish that I was doing this or I wish that I was doing that. Then it becomes more about what else do I want to take in that is more like what I want to be doing. Yeah, yeah. I heard someone say at one point that idea of people seeking self-confidence or or wanting to express self-love that ultimately it comes down to making a commitment to yourself and holding to that. And when we make these unreasonable commitments, then of course it feels like one more thing that we have to do when, when it becomes this almost like this external imposed idea of what that commitment is supposed to be. And we don't even realize it because those stories and those messages are so embedded in our brain that we think that if, if I have this, then like, if I just do this, then, and the other thing that, that struck me about what you said just now was that idea of the difference between advocating in a a social context of moms, women deserve time for Mm self-care. Yes. We need the space around us to be welcoming and supportive of that. Does that mean a pressure that we impose upon ourselves, like taking on that as an individual responsibility versus advocating for it as a a shift in a social dynamic are two different approaches. They're two different things. Well, I mean, like how much time do you have really is the answer to that question because So there's this great book and actually like I liked the book, but I liked the Brene Brown podcast that they did instead, but the book is Burnout and it's by two sisters, Emily and Amelia Nagoski. And one of the things they talk about is community care, the idea that we don't need self-care. And I bristled a little bit at this, but then because movement is Mm -hmm. my thing, I was like, I got to think for a sec, (laughs) you know, um, they said it's that we need people to support us in taking care of ourselves, that it's, it's not, yes, yeah, self-care is important. They're not saying that self-care is bad. What they're saying is that particularly for women, not only do we not ask for it, but we feel guilty asking for it, that we feel we are not worthy of asking for it, that we often even, and I hear myself doing this all the time, and this is my job and it's my passion, <laughs> but you know, it's like often people will say to me, oh, do you need help with that? And I'm like, no, I got it. Yeah. I got it. I'm good. 
When really the answer should be, yes, please help me with this so that it gets done faster because I don't really want to be doing this task, whatever it is. So yes, please help me. Yeah. But we are not conditioned to say, please help me because it's a sign of weakness. Right. Mm -hmm. And even though I think, you know, we are in some ways conditioned to think, well, women are, and this I, I know is going away, but it's still so deeply rooted women are weaker for the weaker sex, right? Again, those big like quotes, I hate mm. it. I hate that so much. Women are the weaker sex, but at the same time, we're meant to look strong. Like we can handle it all. We can do all the things, you know? And I think there's such an internal conflict with wanting to identify. And I think this has a lot to do with, you know, the way that feminism has evolved and shifted since, you know, the sixties, you know, as an example, I like to cook and I'm pretty decent at it, but my mom doesn't really cook at all. And my mother-in-law also. But I think that because my mom and my mother-in-law both come from that same generational place of like, women don't have to be in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. It turns into they shouldn't be in the kitchen. Right. And so like occasionally my mother-in-law, you know, would say, well, why are you making food? You could just buy this. You could just go and get food. You could, you don't have to, you spend all day in the kitchen. Why? Yeah. What I was sort of trying to get at is this conflict of that first wave of feminism, you know, from the 60s, the most recent wave of feminism, combined with a newer wave of feminism, which is like, but women can be in the kitchen, and they can have a job, and they can breastfeed for three years, and they can formula feed if they want. And they can, you know, it's like, we can do all the things. And so I think we're stuck with, well, I guess we have to do all of it. And so that leads us to not want to ask for help when we need it. That leads us to not look for community care because we feel guilty about it, because we feel like we don't deserve it. We don't do enough, you know, whatever it is. We haven't earned Um, it yet. We haven't earned it. Or we feel like we're abandoning our children. Yeah. And what I'm hearing a lot in what you're sharing about is this idea of that that all or nothing mentality that or the fixed mindset yes. for anyone who's familiar with that, I, the difference of, you know, fixed and growth mindset is that fixed mindset of like, either I'm a good mom or I'm a bad mom and I want to be a good mom. So I'm, you know, like there's this, this stress around, like, if there's a potential danger of being the bad mom, your brain is focused on finding where you're the bad mom so that you cannot do it. And so anything that feels uncomfortable, anything that feels different is triggering and going, Oh, there it is. I'm a bad mom. (laughs) I found it. I knew it was somewhere, you know, like that expectation, like you were saying about the expectation of failure. Mm -hmm. And if there's that expectation of failure, then your brain is looking for the potential pain. It's that survival instinct to look for the potential pain. And I, love and have been very inspired by the way that you share about meeting yourself where you're at through those moments and acknowledging that even when those moments happen where you're like, I feel like I suck, that it's like, I feel this. I know it's not true, but I'm going to embrace where I'm at and nurture myself where I'm at instead of going up, you know, like doubly beating myself up over being there. Yeah. Well, and I do that. People thank me all the time, which, and I I don't say that like, yay me, like, but people thank me for sharing and I appreciate the gratitude and it's also really hard, right? Like, cause it's a really lonely thing 
to be like the only, and I'm not the only, (laughs) you know, like there are other moms who do this, but to be the only mom who, you know, posts about, yeah, yesterday I yelled at my kids and I feel like an asshole, Mm -hmm. you know, or like, I'm really struggling right now, you know, and this is why. And I also recognize that not everybody can do that. Like I, I don't, there are things that I keep private for sure. Mm -hmm. And there are things that I ask my kids before I share them. Is it okay if I share this? Because, you know, like they're, especially my, my oldest who's eight, you know, she's at an age where she can decide. And like right now, for the most part, she thinks social media is this wonderful place where, you know, like everybody gets along, but I'm like, you know, it's important to be really clear about what you put out there, like what you put out into the world. But when it comes to sharing my own stuff, I don't really have an issue putting it out there because part of me wants other moms and other women to know they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Because I think that more often than not, again, because, because of so many things, because of the pandemic, because of the way that motherhood is isolating in of itself, the way that as adults, we lose some of those friendships sometimes, right? Like, it's, it can be so difficult as an adult to not only make new friends, but to sustain friendships, you know, that are as satisfying, as fulfilling, as comforting as the friendships that we had when we were, you know, eight or 15 or 21 even. But I, you know, but because of all of that, like I, I, so, you know, we don't, I think, share as much as we could with one another. You know, and then I think there's so much shame around sharing those uglier parts of ourselves, Yeah, you know, um, or the parts that we consider to be ugly. I don't necessarily think they're ugly, but I put it out there in part for myself because putting it out there helps me process a little bit. I don't put any, there are, there are things that I haven't posted because I start writing them and I'm like, mm, I'm not done with it. Like I'm still working this through as I'm writing it yeah. and I'm not there yet this isn't really a fully realized thought that I'm putting out there. So I need more time, you know? So I am, I, I do like anybody else curate to a degree, mm-hmm. but when I do put things out there, I don't hold back. I don't, there isn't a screen, mm-hmm. right? It's still like, this is really what happened, <laughs> you know? Um, and this is really how much it sucked, but this is also really how life is. And I'd rather, you know, all of the parts of me than the parts that I just want to show because they make me look good. Yeah. And, and again, I think that sort of comes back to the ideas of perfectionism, you know, and, and all of that. And I would say probably the past 10 years of my life, mm, maybe no eight, we'll like, we'll chalk it up to the birth of my daughter. We'll put it there. Um, but because I think that's more accurate, but I think right around that time, it's like, that's when I started really honestly breaking up with perfectionism and saying, I'm, I'm done with this, or I'm trying really hard to be because it's not worth it. You know, and that's, that's why it spills over into my work. That's why in, in the work that I do, whether it's, you know, in my online membership, whether it's in the programs that I run, whether, you know, it's on my YouTube channel, it's these yoga classes are 15 minutes long or less, because I know as a mom, a professional movement person, mm-hmm. somebody who does this for a freaking living, getting on the mat for even 15 minutes can feel hard. So I want to make it as easy as possible for you. I don't want you to feel like it's a failure. I want you to know that you can do eight minutes of yoga 
and you're a badass for doing eight minutes of yoga. I want you to know that you can do a minute of meditation and say, I meditated today <laughs> instead yeah. of like, instead of setting up these unrealistic expectations, whether it's for yoga or whether it's for, you know, your mental health. Mm-hmm. I think we have to normalize the fact that we are messy, flawed, imperfect human beings. You know, it's not like saying, I can't dream big. You can absolutely have big dreams, but the steps you take to get there are tiny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So often we just want to like, can I just skip it? Like nobody wants to walk through the change. They just want to be on the other side of it. Well, of course they do. (laughs) But I, you know what? I would even say that I think, I think that's, that's true in our mind, right? Like we want to be at the other side of it, but Mm -hmm. to be at the other side of it means that we missed everything else that made it that, that made us, us. And it kind of goes back to like what you said at the very beginning of like that loaded question of like, who are you? And everything, all of the different pieces, all of the steps, whether they were up or down, you know, whatever we did build into making us who we are, which can be whatever, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, and can I say that the one thing that I really try to drive home to my kids, because I am an imperfect parent in all the ways, in all the ways that you can be an imperfect parent, I am all of them. Um, as I think Me many- too. Yeah, I was going to say, right? I don't know anybody who, <laughs> who really well, is. <laughs> but I think sometimes we see other moms and we're like, oh, they're doing such a great job. Yeah. You know, oh, their house is so clean. Oh, they look so well rested. Oh, their kids never have like ketchup stains completely on all the arms of their, you know, it's like- <laughs> Because my holes cut in them from the scissors that they just happen to find, you know, seriously. But anyway, like, I think that, that we, we look outside of ourselves and we just, we make these assumptions. One of my big goals is to create like a a motherhood circle and have a place where we can just talk as moms and share, you know, and say, this is what's going on. But that's a future Naomi thing. But what I was going to say is that like the big lesson that I teach to my kids all the time is mistakes happen. You can make mistakes. You are allowed to make mistakes. And this is sometimes like where my husband and I diverge a little bit. We have, he also believes that you can make mistakes. That's not it. But like, he's sort of like, you're not paying attention. And I'm like, well, sometimes you are paying attention and you still make a mistake. So it's, it's, it's messy, you know, but if you make a mistake, can you learn from it? You mm-hmm. know, so a lot of times if, if, you know, one of my kids makes a mistake, it's like, okay, you made a mistake. And, and over the past eight years of being a parent, I have vastly improved on my reaction time. It's like, if something is dropped on the floor and it makes a big mess, I might still be like, Oh man. Okay. It's, it can be cleaned up. But you know, I, I try to stress like, listen, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and I try really hard to learn from them, you know? And like, I try really hard not to yell as much as I used to not perfect. I still yell. Sometimes I don't like yelling Mm -hmm. And I do it still because sometimes I just get tired and overwhelmed and it's a thing that I do. And so I try to have these conversations. My daughter's like, you're really good at speeches, mommy. Yeah. <laughs> like, Thanks because I'm working some stuff through, but I do, I try to like communicate as best I can, you know, and just say like, mommy makes mistakes too. I'm not perfect. I don't yeah. expect you to be perfect, but I do expect you to learn from your mistakes. Like if you do something that you know isn't right. Like, can you file that away and say, oops, I have to try to not do it that way next time. Yeah. You know, and or the next five times or the next 10 times, whatever (laughs) it is, but like, 
Because we all need practice, but, but that's, you know, for me, it's like, if there's anything that I try to, to really drill into my kids as much as possible, it's you're human. You are going to make mistakes and I will do my best, my utmost to forgive you, you know, like if you make mistakes in the same way that like when I make mistakes, you know, I hope that you can understand and and help me and teach me to be better, you know, um, and forgive myself and, and to forgive myself, you know, like those are really important things. Like those are, you know, so I sort of look at mistake making as like, okay, we did a thing. What, what can we learn? Like, how can we move forward? Because movement still always. Yeah. Well, it's, always. it's that idea of balance only comes when you're moving. Right? Yes. Like, and it doesn't even, you know, as you're talking about this, I'm almost having this shift in that idea of mistakes. Cause oftentimes I think of mistakes as like oopses, right? Like I didn't intend to do the thing that I did, mm-hmm. but like there are times when I did intend to do the thing that I did. I just didn't intend the outcome of yes. the thing that I did. Right. Like yes. I meant to do that. I just, and I think this is true with kids too, of like, <laughs> I meant to do the thing. Mm-hmm. It didn't turn out the way they thought it would. <laughs> the expectations didn't really match. <laughs> yeah. You know, the and I think yeah. those things deserve the same sort of engagement, like the same sort of love and, and support and forgiveness that you would give the oopses. Mm-hmm. And you did recently a, a core challenge. Mm-hmm. And this has been a deep source of wounding for me over the years of, you know, talking about weight loss and stuff. Like I was bullied as a kid around my weight. Was I even that heavy? No, it was just, I was heavier than the other kids that were around me. And that was the thing that they decided to focus on. And, you know, like thinking about things that I didn't intend, well, I kind of knew like having a child would change that part of my body, but like, that wasn't the focus but it was a result. And there's so much, I, even before children had a lot of sensitivity around my stomach. And mm-hmm. while you were sharing about your core challenge and really being transparent about like, I'm very strong. Like you are so strong. Like it's amazing how strong you are. And this is still my body and I don't always love it. And that's okay because it you can't change those patterns right away, but you can mm-hmm. still put the effort in. You can still put the attention and that movement to working on embracing it. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, and that's okay. And something about what you were sharing within that really hit me in a very profound way that you can be amazing and strong and still have this thing that isn't actually a flaw. And it wasn't a mistake and it wasn't, it's not, it's not anything. It's just who you are and you haven't learned to love it yet. And so don't ignore it, but pour attention into it. You can still love it. You can still, it's like the practice of loving it, even if it's not there yet, like developing that relationship. And I've talked about this with clients before too. So like we were talking before we got on here about like, you know, sometimes our clients bring us things that we're like, oh yeah, I needed to hear that. But like that idea of developing a relationship with yourself, because no matter what the results are, like you want to work out, you want to get strong. So you feel more confident. Okay. But it's not your body. It's not the changes in that. It's the relationship that you have 
with it that will mm-hmm. make the difference in the confidence that you have and the amount of love that you have. So if you look, get up in the morning, like say you're walking down the street and you see somebody, you know, and you're like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, like they're not going to appreciate that very much. You're not developing a very healthy relationship there. Right. But if you wake up in the morning and go, Hey, how's it going? You don't have to say you look amazing today. You don't have to say that. You can just say, Hey, what do you need today? And that's okay. And the core challenge work that you did. And I think just for me, because of the wounds that I have in that area, it struck me in in particular, but like everything that you share really emphasizes that whole, like, you don't have to lie to yourself to build a relationship with yourself because lying Mm -hmm. to yourself isn't healthy either. Right. And it's one of my values. Like I, I think about values a lot because of you. And it's not so much that I hadn't thought about it before, but you know, since working with you, I think about them even more. And it's, it's even work that I did with clients before working with you, but I didn't call it that. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. it's just this other thing. Yeah. But you know, I think about like, well, one of the values that I hold really close is integrity. And I really believe that it is not worthwhile to, first of all, it's not really worthwhile to like lie to yourself because where's that going to take you? Yeah. But it's also not worthwhile to hate on yourself. And that is a huge challenge for me. And so it is like a daily process, you know? So I am always impressed with people who have done like a complete 180 and say like, I don't hate my body anymore. And I want to believe them. A part of me really wants to believe them, but like coming from a place of like, well, every day is different. There are days that I wake up and I'm like, look at you, girl. <laughs> you know, like you look awesome. And there are other days that I'm like, oof, this, mm, I don't know. You know, so I actually, I really appreciate everything that you just said about what I post because I'm glad that it comes off that way. I'm sorry that you were treated so badly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, it sucks. Kids can it be really sucks. mean. <laughs> it sucks. And, and I was too. I mean, I was not a huge kid, but I was rounder than some other kids sort of like, I'm just a muscular person. And the times in my life, like I look back at pictures of myself when I was like deep in eating disorder land and I look sick. Yeah. Like I was never hospitalized. It was never to that point, but I stopped getting my period for a while. Like, you know, to the point that I thought I might be pregnant and had to like have my mom, which is like, just, mm. Hey mom, I could be pregnant or I could have like a raging eating disorder. Which one would you prefer? (laughs) You know, like, which is the better, which is the better one? So my point is more like, is it just sucks. It sucks to be treated that way. Yeah. And it's something that I work really hard on as a parent to not comment on my kids' bodies. That if they comment on my body to just roll with it and be like, okay, you know, like my son the other day was like, mommy has a big belly. And like inside my head, I was like, oh man. But outwardly, I was like, yup, mommy's got a big belly, you know, and just sort of being in that place. Cause it's like, okay, if I had a big belly, why would that be a big deal? Yeah. I don't want him to think that that's a weird thing or that that's a bad thing for girls to have. Certainly don't want my daughters to think that, but I don't want my son to think that either. And, and, and I think this is sort of like that last piece. I posted recently about a picture of myself that I'd taken to send to my husband. Now my husband's in the air force. 
I solo parent a lot, which I'm not a single parent. I never say that I'm a single parent because there's a massive difference. But I solo parent frequently if he's working nights or this summer we relocated temporarily and we're moving to a different place. We are in our cabin in Michigan for the summer. And I solo parented for over a month, which is fairly standard. And I sent him a picture of myself wearing a bikini top and bottoms because I just gone in the water and I felt really good and I felt really strong. But when I looked at the picture, it looked like I was pregnant in the picture in, in my mind, like not Mm -hmm. in the real world, but like in my mind, like I I saw a belly protruding and the whole post was about like, I chose to send it to him. And his response at the end was that's one hot mama or hot mama earlier. And it was great of him to say that. And a lot of the comments were so supportive. So it's not about the comments. And there's one comment who was like, of course, you know, he loves you and you know, that sort of thing. Like you, you are hot. And it was like, but you know what, even if he didn't, even if he didn't love my body, even if he didn't, me loving my body is so much more important. And that that's the journey that I'm on is not for him to accept my body anymore. It's for me to love my body in all the shapes that it takes, you know, and I will say that getting pregnant unexpectedly with my first child and going through, you know, massive fluctuations and going back kind of to where I was before and then getting pregnant again. And a third time and all of that, like my body is not the same as it was when I was 31 pre-pregnancy. It's different. I am stronger, but I look bigger. Like my belly looks misshapen sometimes. Like it looks weird sometimes. And at the end of the day, if I want to be happy in my life, I have to love myself as I am, not as I was, not as I'm going to be, but as I am right now. And it does not matter what my husband thinks. And it does not matter what my children think. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And I think that is the hardest thing (laughs) for anybody to do. Yeah. So that's something that I've been thinking a lot about is I appreciate that he loves my body. I really do. Like, it's nice that he it loves helps. my body. You know, it, it totally it, helps. It helps the process, but yeah, it really is about your relationship with yourself and the vessel that carries us through the world. This is, yeah. this is the embodiment, you know, that houses everything. And what's so powerful about the work that you do in creating space for women to learn a new relationship with their body and building stair steps to an improved relationship, an improved love of this vessel that carries us through the world and meeting ourselves where we're at, wherever, whenever mm-hmm. that is, that it is a foundational part of our existence, not a side thing that we throw in, but the way we show up in the world. Cause it's not like we're not in our body ever. Uh, I mean, we can disassociate from our body for sure. That can happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us have learned to do that because that relationship isn't there. Yeah. So to be able to go, no, I want, I want to love my body all the time. Even if I'm not there yet, what can I do to, create a practice. And regardless of what support I have at home, whether I have some or whether I don't have some, you have given us a space for us to have that kind of support that takes it out of the perfectionist 
spaces that our brain wants to go into because of all the messaging that we have and to come in and be like, it doesn't matter how much time I have. Naomi has a practice for me. (laughs) It doesn't matter if I'm watching my kid in the tub. (laughs) Naomi has a practice for me. And I love that. I love that for moms, especially who are navigating transformation that even if we had a relationship, a loving relationship with our bodies before children, it takes support to love ourselves in a transformation when we're not who we used to be. Yeah. Well, you have to rewire so much. I mean, there's so much unlearning and, and a lot of that in some ways, I don't always think that a lot of that can be taught. Like I know that there are people out there who do lots of great work on intuitive eating and body positivity and all of that. But ultimately at the end of the day, like you have to decide to love your body. I have to decide that to love my body. And this is also what I say a lot about habits to sort of like mm-hmm. bring it back there is you can say to me, I want to be able to do this, this, and this, but if you don't really want to do it, you're not going to do it. Right. Like there, there are basic things that when it comes to habits, there are like three or four things. Like you have to be consistent which basically means it has to be like pretty much daily. Or if it's like a weekly habit, like if it's something you only do on Sundays, right? Like the way that habits work is it has to be relatively consistent. doesn't mean you can't skip days, but the more you skip, the more likely you're to say, oh, well, I skipped yesterday. I can skip tomorrow, right? So there can be flexibility, but for the most part, it's got to be very consistent, at least at the beginning. And then it has to be very, very easy. If habits are not easy, nobody, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it, you're just not, you know, so if it's, if it's very complicated and very hard, you're going to stop it before it starts because nobody wants that when it comes to a habit. And and then it has to slide easily into your life. It has to have a very easy trigger or something that precedes it, something that reminds you to do it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different triggers. So that's like a much bigger conversation, but it has to have a place and that's how habits happen. And those are the, the three primary things. And my experience is if those three things exist, or even two of those three things, you're much more likely to have a habit that succeeds and that sustains. But if you don't want to do it, <laughs> you know, it's like somebody once came to me and she wanted to stop drinking at night. And so we worked out some things that she could do, came up with some good solutions. And then like a couple of weeks later, she came back and she's like, honestly, I didn't really want to stop drinking because I didn't want to start drinking tea. I drink very infrequently. I feel entirely okay with the amount that I'm drinking. So I think what I really wanted was this, 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 and this, and let's work on that. You know, cause that's, mm-hmm. again, like people will come to me and say, I want to do this. And then it's like, well, I don't really want to do that yeah. because when you start working on it and you realize like, oh, I don't really want to, you know, it's like I could list, you know, it's, I want to wake up early and move my body. Okay. Here are the things to do. Actually, I don't really want to wake up early. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, so again, if you don't want to do it, you won't do it. Yeah. But you know what you said just now (laughs) totally is like such a key component of it's one thing to keep it in this headspace of I want to love my body one day when I love my body at some point, or I'm going to say mantras, I'm going to read books about loving my body. I'm going to listen to podcasts about loving my body. I'm going to do all of this like in your head stuff Uh about my, you know, your body. But if you don't bring it into the world into your body. Like, and this is true of anything, not just body stuff, but like 
if action doesn't follow, you're not going to change anything, or you're not even going to give yourself the opportunity to realize that it's not what you wanted to do in the first place. And so that idea of like, if you want to develop love for yourself, mm-hmm. it takes having a commitment to yourself. If you constantly tell yourself, I'm going to do this thing and you don't do it, what are you telling yourself? That you're not worth doing it. Now you might do it and go, actually, that's not what I wanted to do. And that's okay. It's not hurting your self-love to put it down and go, you know what? I've decided I'm not doing this, but it's absolutely hurting your self-love and your self-confidence. If you're saying I'm going to do this and then not doing it, Do it or don't do it. Either one, making a decision one way or another is the thing. And nobody can do that except for you. But once you decide, sometimes we need support. And that's actually why I intentionally used the word. You create space for that support when somebody makes the decision. Can't force somebody to make the decision. Mm -hmm. But if they do make the decision, (laughs) there's a space for engaging that decision. So if somebody wants to engage that decision (laughs) of developing more self-love and being more embodied and releasing that perfectionism to meet themselves where they're at, where can they find you? So they can find me at all places, Conscious Healthy Mama, except on YouTube, (laughs) because YouTube is just my name. But uh, my website is ConsciousHealthyMama.com. Instagram is ConsciousHealthyMama. Facebook is ConsciousHealthyMama. And YouTube is Naomi Gottlieb Miller. <laughs> so well, we'll have links the places. to all of the things, all the places that people can find you in the show notes. And I like to wrap up with asking you to share, what does it mean to you to be unlimited? So I think to be unlimited, the first thing that I think of is freedom. Like I just think of movement to move without restriction, right? It's like dancing, like nobody's watching you only actually everybody's watching you and you don't give a <laughs> right? You're just dancing. Cause you're like, this is amazing. And I don't care if you like it or not. This is my dance. Doesn't have to be your dance. Um, that, that's the first thing that I think of. So if you want to feel unlimited and you decide you're going to put on some music, what song do you listen to? So I have like a soundtrack. Of course you do. <laughs> so, well, because I'm terrible with, so truthfully, like I'm terrible with decisions. I'm, if you ask me to pick one thing, I'm like, can I choose 10? Um, and I've been that way forever. Like that's, I've always been that way. So the first song that came to mind is lately I've been listening to Good As Hell by Lizzo. And it's just so yeah. like, yeah, you know, um, every part of it. And it's not even a long song. It's so short, but it's so good. There's a new Katy Perry song called Electric. It's really good. <laughs> it's, 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 it's silly and fun. But it's another one about like believing in yourself. The last one, because I am a musical theater nerd at heart, is from Rent. And it is Out Tonight, sung by the magnificent Mimi Marquez. Yeah. Um, and that one, I think that's really more teenage Naomi likes to pretend that she's dancing like Mimi Marquez and Rent and like hanging from, you know, like fire escapes and all that. So, but it still, it gets me still. So those would be my top three, I would say. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Musical theater nerd here as well. So yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, I think thank I you. would appreciate it. Of course. And, and with you on that one, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Naomi. It's been such a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. I loved being here. 
Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. If you got something out of today's episode, please share it. Leave me a review, take a screenshot and post it on social with a shout out to me. Send it to a friend or, you know, all of the above. Want to hang out more? Join me on Instagram. Or better yet, get on my mailing list to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And remember, your possibilities are as unlimited as you are. Allow yourself to shine, my friend. The world needs your light. See you next time.